The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I have my co-host Brandon with us. And we actually have another guest with us tonight, Brandon. Uh, he is the owner of Melbourne Invisible Records, and he is in Wasteland Coven. Um, welcome to the show. Great to have you. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm Brandon. And, you know, like you said, uh, I have I play in Wasteland Coven. I uh, work at Morbid and Miserable Records, and uh, I am a music maniac. And, uh, you know, I just try and get involved in uh, music and the music scene wherever I can. Awesome. I mean, you're in good company with the music uh, maniac side of things. We uh, oh, are yeah. in that category as well. So so I just wanted to, to ask, uh, tell us a little bit about Morbid and Miserable Records. Where did that sort of start? How long has it been going for? And do you have like a, a vision for the label? Just, yeah, tell us all about it. Um, yeah, so I guess we got started late in 2020. You know, pandemic's there. We've Everything's shut down. And me and my partner, Jason, we... We, uh, we were just very bored because there were very few shows, a lot less opportunities than there were. Um, and we'd, we'd talked a little bit before about starting a distro just, just because we, you know, we have a lot of music we want people to listen to and we want to try and spread around. Um, but he had some stuff, some people he'd talked to where they didn't have physical copies and he really wanted to make sure they got physical copies. So we said, all right, screw it. Let's let's go full in. We'll make it a record label and a distro. Um, and so we did. So we we got our first releases together, I think, right at the end of 2020. Nice. And uh, since then, we've just been uh, bumbling along, not really knowing exactly what we're doing, but uh, trying to do the things we want to see in the world. I mean, in terms of a vision, our, our vision is just to... Uh, get really good music out there uh, and try to do things we want to see other people do as well. You know, just put out really cool music, uh, physical copies, because we both love physical copies of stuff. Um, yeah. There's something to that. Th there really is. Cause you know, I, I always want to support bands and, and make sure they can keep doing what they're doing, but it's just, it's so much it's much realer when you can have, you know, a piece of art from them in your hands, something that says their name on it. If you can go through the ritual of, of listening to the physical media, it, it's, it just feels special, you know? Yeah. And there's more, it's more than just that as well. It's like, there's so much to a physical release. There's the word booklet, like the artwork, there's actual, the way that like, they've done the art on the actual disc. Like, you know, there's just so much stuff that you miss out on when you don't have the physical copy. And yeah. there's like so much nuance to it too. Just, just all those little details. I, I know that there's just so many bands where it's like, if it's your first thing you're putting out, there's you, there's just every piece of art you forget about. Like, okay, well, what do you want to put behind the disc? Okay. Mm -hmm. What are you putting on the disc itself? What, what goes on the spine? Exactly. And then like, how many pages mm -hmm. is the word book going to be? Are you going to put like any notes? Or is it just going to be the actual lyrics? Mm -hmm. Yep. But, uh, I noticed that you, you don't really have like a genre you're restricted to. You kind of put out stuff all over the spectrum. So as far as you 
go? What What is your sort of musical taste? What What do you prefer to listen to? Um, I listen to a lot of uh, doom metal and stoner rock um, and just sort of everything all over the heavy spectrum. I also listen to a lot of punk rock. Um, but the, the label itself, we're, we stay open intentionally just because because we both listen to so much stuff, we want to, you know, make sure we can get everything that we enjoy in there. Um, so, you know, just personally, I'm always leaning towards doom metal and, and going that way, but it, there's always a conscious part of my brain that's like, make sure you branch out a little bit. Don't go into a doom hole, you know? Yeah. But the Doom stuff that you put out is, I mean, a lot of it's pretty, uh, it's quite varied. It's a more unusual take on the genre. I mean, like something like Kanan's Casa, um, that might be Doom metal, but it's a very unique brand, yeah. I guess. Yeah, they they were very worried when they put out their stuff. They're like, well, how do, how do we market this? Is it, Can we just call it Doom? It's not really straight Doom. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kept telling them, like, it, it doesn't matter that it's not straight Doom. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. Is, exactly. And, like, it, it's funny because you and I actually both collaborated on the Slog release. Uh, I did the PR and you obviously did the album release. And that's another one that's, that's a unique blend of different styles. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, in, with like a broad brush, you can call it death doom. But uh, again, mm. it's so much more than than just that term. It, it, exactly. It sort of spins yeah. all over the place. It's like some funeral doom stuff in there, some sludge. It's Yeah, there's a lot of different influences. Yeah. And then you guys have some super classic stuff too. I mean, like Poison Speed is like, it's like Motorhead on crack. <laughs> I like that description. Yeah. <laughs> They, those guys are really cool too. They, they, they really work hard to put that style together and it it just comes out so great. Like for (laughs) it, it's, it's a little bit funny in, in how effortless they make it look, Mm -hmm. but they, they've really, they've honed their craft very well. No, I mean, they've kind of perfected their sound. It's, it's, it's got the old school throwback feel completely captured, which is awesome. Absolutely. And then, like, what, one of my, I think probably my favorite, at least, that you've done, this was actually in my top albums of the year last year, was Black Knife. Oh, yeah. That, that was, I, I still don't know how it happened, actually. <laughs> um, well, it was before we'd even talked about doing a label, me and Jason, we drove from uh, Toledo, where we live, to Detroit to see Black Knife play a show and uh they were just he he told me i needed to go to the show so i'm like okay i'll do it and i just went without really knowing them and they they were absolutely phenomenal so you know i bought a buttload of merch that's kind of what i do it (laughs) i just uh buy everything on the merch table um and then i just went home and didn't think about it and then like two years later it was just after we'd started the record label, they send our page a message and just like, Hey, do you want to put out our next album? And oh, I went, awesome. uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> that's super I, cool. When you get to work with people, you uh, happen to be a fan of. I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's the best. And then, yeah. I mean, the latest thing that you put out, I just, I just wrote a review for that the other day, the, um, the three-way split between Biffid Corpse, Surfer James and Pythian, 
Um, that's all sort of local to your area acts, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, it's so it, it spirals out a little bit. So okay. uh, Pythian uh, are a Toledo band, so they're here in town, and we know all those guys, and so that was sort of our contact point. Surfer James is from Detroit and they come down to Toledo a lot and okay. we go up to Detroit a lot to see them. So we sort of know them, they, we sort of run in the same circles. And so then they have more contact with Bifid Corpse who lives out in Chicago. And okay. so they're sort of more regional, but so it's all sort of like this Midwestern region where we're all from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's local ish, I guess. Okay. Brendan, did you get a chance to listen to that one yet? I have it in my wish list, and okay. I haven't uh, <laughs> gave it um, a proper listen. Okay, because I know you were I jamming, do. you were jamming "Sorry Eyes" earlier. Yeah, no, I, dude, I love "Sorry Eyes," so good. That, oh, that so, was another. Sleepwaves is an amazing <laughs> album. I love it. I I put it down three times already. I'm like, wow, like. Um, I, when, um, actually, uh, when slog came out, uh, you did like a little release and, uh, James, this was like, dude, check this out. And then I just like, I had, I bought your discography and then, um, uh, digitally. And then I was like, Oh, let's like, check this out. And then I already had a couple of things from, um, hanging out with James prior, you know, I had already had black knife. And um, I, I actually had uh, Wasteland Coven um, because of Transylvanian. And um, yeah, so I was just like, oh my God, like this is awesome stuff. So let me check it out. And then um, that Sora has just hit it for me, dude. Love it. And obviously, like Slog 2, like everything that uh, I don't know, those guys are nuts. Nick is insane, man. Um, <laughs> he is. But. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the sore eyes, like oh, I was just like I gotta dig deep on that. Like I don't know, like it's I like it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know this, um, but Nick and I are actually friends. We hang out whenever we get a chance. He lives in LA, and I'm in San Diego, so we're not too far from each other. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's the uh, first person I've managed to hang out with properly in person from the whole music side of things since COVID started. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> Is is he like as as I just imagine he's kind of intense to to be around in person just because I, I guess I know him more from his works than I know him personally, but he's just got so much going on. I just so imagine he I mean his he lives and breathes music. If you go to his apartment, like half of it is literally speakers and guitars, um, and amps and you know, it's just music equipment, but he's a super chill dude and very like doesn't take anything too seriously, very laid back. So his, uh, his work ethic and his personality are kind of different. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, the, him and Jared, since they teamed up, have just been unstoppable. I can't even keep track of, of how many projects they have and everything. I, 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 I want to support them, but like I, I feel like <laughs> there's so much that's just slipping through the cracks and I can't help it. So that charity sampler that, uh, uh, Brendan, by the way, uh, we got sent through a whole collection of tracks from the label of stuff for the charity sampler, which we're going to have to go through. 
Um, nice. Which is awesome. But uh, on that note, Nick sent, I, I said, do you have anything for the sampling? He's like, oh yeah, here's five albums coming out between now and when it comes out. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know. Like, I don't think he sleeps. Does he sleep? <laughs> At some point. he wa- Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, that beautiful son of a bitch. Like, I, I just don't, I, I don't know, man. Like, well, it's have you wild. Seen, like, have you seen Jared's? So cool. Sorry. I love, uh, I, I'm sorry. I was about to say is like, I, I just love that. Like in all of his music, you know, when he's playing guitar, you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, he, it, it's just his signature all over the place in different styles and tones. But like, you're just like, holy shit, that that's Nicholas Turner, man. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I love how he does it. It's, it's just, he moves between so many different genres, but you always hear him. It's always yeah. his specific it, sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, I don't know how to like else to describe it, but it's, it's, it's his signature sound is, uh, I, I don't know if it's a tone or like, if it's like a riff that he changes all the time, that's the same. I, I don't fucking know, but it's amazing. I think it is. No, I agree completely. And same with Jared. I mean, like his drumming style, the second you hear it, you know exactly who that is. No one else plays the same way as him. Um, and I don't know if you saw, have you looked at his Encyclopedia Medellin page? No, I yeah. actually have not. <laughs> you just have to keep scrolling. It just keeps going down. But the, the weird part about his page too, and maybe they fixed it since I've looked at it, is that it's still not everything because he no, technically not. has more projects and they're like split between different profiles because somebody didn't make the connection somewhere. Right. So uh, there's like another yeah. profile that has another scrollable list. And it's like, no, this is the same guy as that other huge scrollable list. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to touch on two more of your releases that I we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Bone Folder. Absolutely love that one. Um, that oh, is some fantastic hardcore. Ugly. Yeah. They, <laughs> those guys are local too and and they 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 are fantastic musicians that they we we really had to press them to put out physical copies of stuff oh, a man. little bit i apologize uh, where are you from again or Toledo, ohio ah ohio gotcha mm-hmm. uh, and so they they uh they've put out some, some cool EPs and stuff before, but they just like very quietly put them up on Bandcamp instead mm-hmm. of like a, a proper release. And so we're like, guys, you guys are way too cool to be doing this. Please let us put this out. We'll do it right. Well, that's, I mean, I guess that's what, that's where the role of labels and PR companies and stuff actually comes into play. Cause there are a lot of people that are fantastic musicians, but just don't get their music out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like, that's probably the the biggest part of what we do is just pushing music for people who aren't pushing it for themselves. Exactly. hundred percent. And then you had one more release. This is one that actually slipped through the cracks for me. I actually still have to check this out. I just haven't had a chance. Uh, fake Muslims. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's, um, that's abrasive, crazy fucking nuttiness, James. Okay, I, I I keep seeing hype for it, so I just I meant to actually listen to it before we did this interview. I just got bogged down with work, so it was I, I oh, it one out. of the actually first things I listened to because I was just like, oh boy, what's this about? And um, I'll let you know, it's definitely experimental. Okay, and it's good. 
Okay. <laughs> this comes recommended from Brendan, so I'm going to have to check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did I see Pissing Contest is has something coming up? Something yes. New? Yeah. So they actually, so the whole story with that is it was sort of a studio experimental improv thing. So they went into the studio and they recorded all the stuff that's on that album. They also recorded a little bit more and they said, okay, we'll save this for later. Um, so we have that little bit more that they've been saving. Okay. And so they're talking about finishing it up by adding a few more things to it. Mm-hmm. So once, once all that comes together, we're going to be putting that stuff out. Sometimes, I mean, I really like it sometimes. Those albums actually sometimes end up coming out even better than the standard one because you kind of have the mindset of when the initial stuff was recorded and then the mindset from the new stuff and it kind of gives you a, a really diverse album when that happens. You're absolutely right. I, it, it's a wonderful sort of... It, it tells the story in, in those gaps mm-hmm. of, of what's been happening and you can sort of hear the transition laid out very clearly exactly and do you know the band uh yo no see i uh, i don't know them they just brought out another album i just covered it the other day um they're a i i have to describe them as the grunge they have like they, they sound like nirvana but if nirvana came up in the like stone and doom scene um mm. so they're like a mix between like 90s grunge and then like uh stone and doom stuff um really cool act from the uk but they did exactly that um so they had a bunch of leftover tracks from their last full length and then they recorded a bunch of stuff in COVID, but they were just playing around with a bunch of different uh, producers and other musicians. And the album ended up coming out as it's like one track of their standard punk stoner stuff. And then one track that's like folk fused um, with a bunch of like unusual instruments uh, and then vice versa. And so it flips throughout the whole album. Every second track is completely different. So kind of a, <laughs> kind of a cool release. <laughs> I like the sound of that. It's kind of like that uh, band, like, uh, uh, Who I Kill? Oh, why can't I pronounce it right now? Um, Who I Kill? Like the. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. They Dude. just like, they're like punk, stoner, then they're all of a sudden like um, out in the middle of like the desert, like jamming, and like, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're like back to like this hardcore shit, and then like a little bit like, I don't know, not quite like a like a Chonicky, but like I don't know, dude. They're nuts. That was the like one that you, you reviewed them as one of your first reviews for the site, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember them. That's uh that was some cool stuff. Um, like every track was different. You were just like, where am I going? <laughs> it's <was> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that pla- that one was all over the place, but in a good way. Um so Brandon, yeah. growing up like music wise, what did you grow up around? Like musically what was your family listening to um so like i had like a uh, like oh like no i'm sorry brandon and brendan right <laughs> i mean you can answer too <laughs> okay you can both answer why don't you answer first that's funny um god damn see this is my problem with like having this whole name issue um well, let's, go, let's go b1 and b2 like bananas and pajamas oh boy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, well, my parents listened to a lot of like, um, like seventies and like eighties rock. 
um, you know, a lot of like Bruce Springsteen and like John Mellencamp and um, a lot of like Rolling Stones, shit ton of Rolling Stones in my house. Um, a lot of like even like nineties music, like all that, like dumb stuff, like the shitty song in your mother's car, Cheryl Crow shit, you know, like, um, <laughs> all that like fun stuff. And then I like, for me, like, I don't know, I branched out, listened to a lot of punk rock and like that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. we're not here for me. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember my so my mom is tone deaf, so she's not really into music at all. But she really likes things that have impressive lyrics that tell a story. Um, so she likes a lot of very horrible sounding things, but she can connect to it through those stories. My dad, on the other hand, he kind of liked. He was a little bit all over the place, but he liked a lot of classic rock. And I remember at some point he was getting rid of all of his cassette tapes at like a garage sale. And uh, I just kind of went through them. I'm like, this one looks interesting. And I just sort of took it out of the sale. I'm like, nope, Mm. keeping this, keeping this. So I got some like Alice Cooper. I got some Blue Oyster Cult. He was really into Alan Parsons project. So I I got a lot of that from them. That's fun. I have some uh, Blue Oyster Cult that my mom gave me on vinyl. I actually just got some yesterday on vinyl and uh, Fleetwood Mac as well. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I need to show you my latest haul. Uh, I got like some, someone gave away an insane collection. I got off like three bucks a pop. Um, uh. But for me, it was my dad that influenced my musical taste. Um, I grew up with Pink Floyd. Um, you know, all that, all that 70s prog yeah. rock stuff was what I, I came up with, like Pink Floyd, Jethro Tull, um, Traffic, all that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, the half, half my collection of music, my vinyl, it's like over half is 70s prog rock and 60s psychedelic because that was the stuff that I kind of grew up around. And my, my mom listens to like Tom Jones and ABBA, um, which, I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. ABBA's fun sometimes. Right, right. Um, I have a Tom Jones vinyl. I like Tom Jones. From there you go. Um, but, yeah, and then like I kind of got into alternative before I got into metal. So I was into stuff like the White Stripes and Muse at Block Party um no i was like 13 and then end of 13 coming on 14 i picked up system of a down and kind of just went from there um that's so wild to think about i know <laughs> well system of a down got a lot of people i know into metal to be honest you know oh, yeah. i think they were probably one of my first they were i'm pretty sure my first big metal band that i absolutely loved me too i mean it's they're so accessible for a metal band but they're still heavy enough that i still listen to them now yeah I mean, I uh, got to see them live. They opened up uh, for Metallica with Corn and Kid Rock, and um, we skipped out on Corn uh, and Kid Rock trying to find weed in the parking lot. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, <laughs> fucking saw System and uh, Metallica, and it was just fucking so much fun, dude. It was awesome. I don't think you missed too much with Kid Rock, to be honest. <laughs> no no we were okay with that I, I, yeah we were it, honestly it was okay it as was far fun. as like unless you really wanted to see Bao with a dawa right now and that would have been that era too man yeah yep. it was so bad i imagine but, 
Oh, I wanted to mention you had uh, said like Jethro Tull. And um, uh, when I turned 18, my dad actually brought me to go see Jethro Tull live. Oh, dude, I, I would love for to my see 18th Jethro birthday. Tull. Yeah, it was a shit ton of fun. That is awesome. They they actually released a song last year that was genuinely good. I'm like, how are you guys still doing it? Did you hear it? I have not. I, I um, actually was unaware that they have. Like, I fell out of like following classic rock like a lot. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, if Santana put out something new, I'd be like, oh yeah, let's hear that. Like, guitar solo uh, slave. He, you know, he, but, like, he still is. He put out an album last year. Oh, oh this year. He's he's been putting out like one every two this years. Yeah, year? so, so, I'm unaware of that it either. Must, so. It must be last end of last year, maybe. But he just. I was either 21 or 22. That guy has not stopped, but the quality has. Um, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in one of those cards against humanity packs, one, one of the answers <laughs> is like, uh, Carlos Santana's horrible moaning guitar. And I got it. And it was, <laughs> just made me kind of sad, honestly. Oh, I, yeah. I really love those first Santana albums. Oh, They're fantastic. Too. Yeah. First, like four are just phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, the, the, yeah. And then um, it, or you'd be like uh, Cards Against Humanity. We had one that was like Meatloaf, the music, or I mean, sorry, or Meatloaf, like the man. Or like, you're like Meatloaf, the sandwich, or Meatloaf, the man. You're like, what, 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 what? I was so sad when he passed the other day. I genuinely love Bad Out of Hell. It's one of my all time favorite albums. Yeah, it's like rock opera. It's like, it's fun. It's the yeah. rock, ultimate rock ballad album. I'm, I'm a, or I guess I was a big Meatloaf fan, but it's he—he's—he's he's such a mixed bag, though. He's a fantastic singer and a fantastic presence. He was an awful, awful songwriter. If you look at the ones where he has songwriting credits, his are just the worst. Oh, really? I never noticed <laughs> yeah. that. I, okay, go. I have to have a look at that. But he—he he really is a tremendous. Or was a tremendous Performer. singer. But then he, yeah. he he really lost it at the end. I don't know if you guys ever listened to the last album he put out. I didn't he, listen to the album, but I saw the live performance and it was shocking. Yeah, he on the album, he's basically like whispering along to these tracks while guest singers carry the song. And it's uh, uh, it's it's very I don't know that I could listen to it a second time. It it was a sad listen. Well, I know uh, that his last tour he did, um, he, he wasn't on it. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he did like the meatloaf tour, and then he got another guy to fill in for him that kind of looked like him. From, it was um, the sandwich. It was the man. American <laughs> the sandwich. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of think like if you're not present for your own tour, you should probably not do it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but what do you guys think of? I, I kind of think it's a similar thing that's happening with Bruce Dixon from um, Iron Maiden. I don't know if you guys heard the latest album, but. You can kind of, because people were saying, why did they turn the music up so high in the mix? Why isn't his vocals turned up? He's like the best, one of the best parts of the band. And like, you can kind of tell he maybe is getting a little old and he can't hit the notes anymore. So I kind of, I think, I think that was maybe a bit strategic. Mm. I haven't heard the album, but now I'm going to have to listen to that, listen for that when I do get around to it. It's just I, a theory. It could be completely wrong. It could be that they just mixed it that way for some reason. But I have a feeling that that's maybe what it is. I I I mean, just I would buy into that hard because I've definitely heard 
a lot of aging singers, they sort of lose that ability to, to hit oh. those high notes. And yeah. it's, it's a very mixed bag, whether or not they adjust the sound, you know, right. the, the, the music that they're writing to match their, how their voices changed over the years. And right. some people have done it successfully and a lot have not. Right. And some people do it at the low notes too. Like if you look at Nick Cave, um, as he got older, he couldn't do those like super deep notes anymore. So he kind of changed his whole singing style and then adjusted the music to accompany that. I don't know if you guys have yeah. done Nick Cave or not. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar. Haven't listened to him in a long, long time. Oh, you, sh- you should. It's overdue. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I saw uh, Tim Reynolds play on uh, Saturday night and, um, Every time he was like talking, he's like, you know, telling a little story or introducing a new tune or whatever. And he was just like, it, it sounded like he was, he had to whisper this whole time, you know, like it was like the Godfather almost, you know, I was just like, poor guy, like his voice is so strained, like talking has got to like, it just sounded like it hurt. But his guitar music was fucking awesome. There's some people that I don't understand how they're still going with their, the way they do their vocals. Like, um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Tom Waits. I don't know how that man still has a voice with how gruff he sings. I don't know if you guys are Tom Waits fans or not. I love Tom Waits. Yeah. Too. Me too. I, I love him. You know, I, I guess I never really thought about it. I just assume that his voice is naturally very gruff. But I guess. Yeah. But when you think about it, like. Well, listen, listen to some of his songs where it's not because he has got, he's got a lot of those songs where he sings without putting the voice on and it's completely different tone. Um, like if you look at, give me one second, let me pull up a song name here. I have an example. Um, like anything from the album Closing Time. He doesn't do that. The, the voice is completely That's different true. on that. He's a lot smoother on that. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a tone that he chooses to take. But yeah. yeah, he should have a horrible, horrible <laughs> time now that he's a lot older. Yeah, but he can still, he can still go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just does it right. I guess there's a lot of technique to do in that sort of thing. Yeah. Because some of his best work was like way into his career. Like my favorite album from him is probably Rain Dogs, which was like 85. He'd be going for like a long time at that point. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. He's got some pretty weird tracks, but it's, <laughs> all of his albums have some pretty weird. Like Singapore, the opening song is a bit, <laughs> a bit odd, but I love it. Um, but that's part of the appeal of Tom Waits is that it he starts from such a, a great folksy, just grounded position, and mm-hmm. then he sort of piles on this this fascinating avant garde artistic nature to it, and it it comes right. out incredible. Right, and it's just like he just goes whenever musical direction he wants. There's no limits. Like the song "Hell Broke Loose," that's like that's a heavy song. And if you know that one from that mm-hmm. album, um, but yeah, that one that's like that's a heavy song for a guy that's like primarily like a kind of experimental folk artist, um, blues, I guess. I, don't, I he's hard to define. Um, but we, we have kind of spiraled out a little bit. Brendan, I know you had some uh, some topics you did want to talk about before we uh, run out of time today, so I'll let you ask yeah, some good. of those questions. Um, so uh, what's your what's your favorite um, 
Ohio craft brew. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be very disappointing on this front. I do not drink at all. So I okay. know hey. nothing about alcohol. Not a problem there. Then uh, how about what's the uh, the weirdest food that you've eaten? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. So, hmm, I think maybe it it wasn't weird to eat, but it's weird to say. I've eaten ox knees. Ox knees. Ox knees. It was. Uh, in some kind of a Korean soup, my, my boss is Korean and he takes us to these little Korean spots sometimes. And he just, he speaks Korean to the owners and they bring us out special stuff and it's great. It's always great. And I can't remember the names of any of them, but he's like, try this. It's really good. And I try it and it's (laughs) always really good. Uh, but yeah, that, that was probably one of the weirdest is some kind of Korean soup with ox knees. Nice. I remember uh, a friend of mine was just like, oh, hey, uh, you want me to bring you some beef uh, tongue tacos? And I'm like, oh, yeah, beef tacos. Sure. I got you. Definitely bring me like, yeah, bring me like three or four, like whatever you got. Like, um, and then he comes over and we're sitting down eating and I'm like, I already ate one. And I'm like, wow, this is like, wow. And he's like, so how's that tongue? And I'm like, I take a hard swallow and I'm like, what? And he's like, (laughs) yeah, beef tongue. And I'm like, Oh god! <laughs> well, obviously, it was pretty good because you were eating it. Absolutely <laughs> delicious, and now making me feel a little bit like uh, what? You know, like I like that I poisoned myself right now. Like I'm just like <laughs> eating this thing's tongue right now, and um, it, it was absolutely delicious. It was awesome, but like the, the, those weird parts of the body are honestly a lot of the time it's self putting, but it's delicious. Like, have you ever had brain? Brain is really good. I've never indulged in brain. What like, kind of brains eating? have you tried? Uh, like fried lamb's brain. Hmm. Oh, I think pork brains are usually kind of. It's uh, it's very rich. I will say that it's like an interesting texture, but it's it's good. But the weirdest thing I have eaten is cat, and I did not know at the time when I ate it. But I was in Vietnam, and uh, I bought a meat a meat skewer from like a roadside vendor lady, and it was really good. And I was like, "What is this? This is awesome!" And then she's like, "Meow, meow, 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 meow." I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess cat's pretty good. (laughs) Oh, man. Hopefully we don't lose a bunch of followers over that, but that's fine. (laughs) Well, the captivists. Captivists. Well, you didn't know until. No, I I didn't maliciously. Those street vendors, man, are like, that's pretty wild stuff. Like, I want to go to India and eat a bunch of like street food. I mean, I've tried, I, I, I have a very open mind when I travel. Like I'll try basically anything. Like I've had like tarantulas, stingray, jellyfish, like scorpion, uh, frog. Like if you name it, basically, if it's been presented to me, I've had it. Except the only thing I turned down was sea turtle because I will not contribute to that market. Um, mm. if, it's, if, it's eth- if it's not like unethical to eat it, mm. <laughs> I'll try it. Gator's good. Yeah, gator Alligator. is good. And crocodile, both good. Ostrich. Yeah. Uh, Fishy camel. chicken. Yep, it's all good. Meat, meat's meat. Pigeon, pigeon's good. Anyway, this is really spiraling out. I, 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 
it's like, oh, I tuned into that music podcast and they talked about eating different animals for 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so if you, um, like, you know, you, so you play uh, guitar, right? Mainly. Yes. As, did you grow up playing guitar or did you start out playing anything else or? Um, so I, I got a guitar uh, when I was a teenager and I sort of, played it off and on and it was always more of a song writing tool for me rather than getting good at guitar itself if you know what i mean it was like sort of, kind of creating the riff type of deal yeah, or, yeah yeah so i i was singing in bands primarily for most of my teen years and into my early 20s and so I, I was still playing guitar, but it was mostly just to like help me figure out how the song was going to go. And then at some point I left my, my last band because I was mad at all of them for, for fucking around in the same way that everybody fucks around in their early 20s. You know, they're getting drunk all the time and stuff like that. But not taking it serious. Not taking it serious. Yeah, I hear you, dude. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do this stuff on my own. So then I started playing guitar more seriously as, as, uh, as a goal to play guitar itself rather than just something to help me as I was writing songs. Tell us a little bit more about Wasteland Coven because we haven't really talked much about that. Uh, how did the band come? Oh yeah, I love that. Um, so it. It doesn't have a spectacular beginning story. It was just kind of uh, so. Jason, who's also uh, my partner in Morbid and Miserable, um, he's he's involved in a lot of different projects and he knows a lot of different people around town. So one day he just made a post. He he decided he wanted to start another band. He's always in like ten bands, but he wanted another yeah. one. And he he was originally looking for something uh, Manila Road inspired, I guess. Okay. And so he he just posts on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, I need to start another band, uh, Dark <coughs> Stuff. Who's in?" And so I'm like, "I'm not doing anything." And <laughs> Sue, our singer, was like, "All right, I want to sing some new stuff." So he's like, "All right, show up here at this time." And we did, and uh, we just jammed, and. Uh, I, I sort of asked him at that point, like, well, what kind of direction do you want to go in? And he said, well, originally I was thinking Manila Road, but now maybe let's do some candle mass type stuff. And I can see, I can kind of see both influences a little bit. I mean, it's, it's definitely more yeah. of a candle massy sort of vibe, but it's got a bit of everything in there. Yeah. Right, right. I, I find it hard to, I guess I'm, not strictly when I write songs for that, I'm not strictly trying to go in any one direction. So we sometimes end up kind of stonery. Sometimes it's a little bit epic. Sometimes it's not all that doomy. It's just a little bit metal, you know? Yeah. It's like also like Rocky too. Like there's like some, like there's some good licks in there, man. And then like the vocals really mix it up. Like the, the music and the vocals, like, I think if you'd done it differently, it could have not worked, but I think you did it in a way very cleverly that it does work. Yeah. Sue, Sue definitely pushes everything we do forward. And it's, it's, we really all do our best to, 
build each other up and try and bring out the best in each other. Is there anything coming up for that from the project? I mean, should people keep an eye out for stuff or is there nothing in the works right now? There is, um, and I don't know how much I'm allowed to say yet, but okay. yes, <laughs> there, there are, uh, a lot of things coming. So we, um, Originally, Sue was singing and playing bass, um, but we got a new bass player just to, to free Sue up and let her be a little bit more focused on her singing so she can get even crazier than what she was doing before. Um, so we, we are a five-piece now, and we have some stuff that's recorded that will be coming out this year, and we have a lot of material that we haven't recorded yet that we will be recording later this year. Um, so we're doing all kinds of stuff, just nothing I can say a lot about, unfortunately, but there <laughs> is okay. stuff coming. Don't get yourself in trouble. <laughs> getting wasted. That's awesome. What about um, through Morbid and Miserable? Is anything coming up through the label that we should be keeping an eye out for as well? Yeah. So our, our biggest, um, I guess, our biggest holdup right now is just getting enough money to do all the things we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we just had an infinite amount of money, we'd probably be putting out like 30 albums this year. Uh, okay. But we don't have an infinite amount of money. Uh, so we're, we'll probably put out at least 10 albums, though. Nice. Um, and our next one is probably going to be out in March, I think we, we need to set an official date for it. Um, but it is a re-release of, uh, Crimson Towers, uh, Eternal Abyss, which is like an Epic Doom album. Oh, nice. Um, so that'll be coming out very soon. I'm excited then because, uh, I mean, Candlemass is one of my all time favorite bands. I just Mm. top 10 forever. Um, I love Epic Doom and I don't think, I honestly don't think, it's an area of doom that gets enough attention. Everyone does the Sabbath worship, but there's really not that as many bands as there should be that do candle mass worship, in my opinion. There's so many eras too that are so great. Like, I would love to see some more stuff in the vein of like Messiah, you know, Messiah from like Messiah from uh, candle mass, like that type of yeah doom. I, I, oh. Like the opera singer guy? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's, oh the, that's the, op- the opera yeah, singer guy. Yeah. yeah, oh my God. It's just like... Uh, I think it's uh, just because it, it's so vocally right? demanding. Yeah, it is. What, what did you say, sorry? Brandon? Oh, the song, I think it was uh, Bewitched. Yes, yeah, that's him. And it's like, oh, it's just so good, dude. That song, was, it's pretty... It's not my favorite of this, but it is good. But... Um, I mean, it's not mine my, as well, but it's, uh, oh, yeah. Like one it's of my all time favorite songs ever of any genre is a cry from the crypt, but like with him on vocals. So that, that, that song is just like doom perfection in my opinion. But, um, no, I do, I do agree with you that it is like, it's hard to find someone that can do that. He's a, he was a very unique vocalist. And I think even, even today, there's a lot of talented vocalists, who probably could emulate some of it, but then the next step is like, all right, now you have to be interested in this kind of music. And a lot of people are who have that kind of talent and have put that kind of focus in are interested in more traditional forms of music instead of mm, heavy right. things. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, you're like, I, 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 
if you could put like a super group together to make like a, the ultimate doom album, who, who, who would you get there? I think, let's see. So I put, I'm trying to not just think of a different candle mass configuration, <laughs> 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 but it would, I mean, it would probably just be leaf and Messiah driving the thing. And then if we could get, who would be a good drummer to put behind them? Oh, man. I think it. I think it'd be really great. To, oh, what's his name? The guy from Testament. Oh, uh, oh the current. I gotta look it up. Hang on a second. It's gonna bother uh, uh Paul Bastiff, uh, Bastiff, or the other drummer. Yeah, that name doesn't sound right. Is John Det John Det? Gene Hoagland. Yeah, that's Gene. He, oh, I've seen him live a couple times, and he's crazy. Put him up behind there just to just to give yeah. it that extra bump. Guy's been in a lot of different projects. Uh, I saw a band. It was actually a grindcore band. They opened up for Yaucha, um, and they had two drummers. And it was fucking insane. Like two drum sets, two full drum sets for a huh. grandcore band. And you're just like, uh, like Champagne, I think is the name. Fucking That sounds nuts. pretty intense. Yeah. That just sounds hard to pull off. Like with how fast they're playing. That Oh, man. It was really cool to see live. I, 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 yeah, it was really, really intense to see. This is like, I was like, well, like, imagine if you had, like, two drummers for, like, a Doom band, like, one to, like, just, like, maybe, like, have, like, a total, like, just bass to, like, I don't know, and then have one, like, I don't know. He could work out some crazy shit with that. I, I think that would actually work really well. I'd love to see that, actually. Yeah, I'd be down to see that. Because you, you see bands with, like, two bass players, two guitars, two vocalists, but you never see two drummers. Yeah. Well, I was blown away when I was like, wait, there's two drum sets there. And I was like, what's going on here? And then these guys were on point. It was awesome. You're going to have to figure out the name and send it to me. Uh, cause I, I, uh, I was uh, Chip Pang, I think. Um, Before we uh, run out of time, uh, we always end up going into this area. But as far as like uh, movies and film and that sort of thing goes, what, what are you interested in? Uh, so I like a, a lot of animation um i i'm always impressed by big budget anime type things okay all right uh, I, I don't know if you saw um the the first 3d movie from studio ghibli came out a couple years ago uh what's it called earwig and the witch it it was a very interesting transition of anime into 3D, and it wasn't it wasn't always perfect, but it was it was a fascinating transition, sort of in the same way like with video games, seeing them transition from 2D into 3D. I mm -hmm. feel like that's what I was witnessing as I watched it. Okay, I've never heard of. I'm gonna. Have to, I know Studio Ghibli, obviously, but I haven't seen that one, so I'm gonna have to check that out. It, and it's it's kind of cool. Uh, it, 
in that it sort of ties back into music as well in that there's this big uh tie to like a sort of a 70s prog rock band that sort of drives the magic of the film so it's it's a lot of fun okay that does sound super interesting i mean that's right up my alley so let's <laughs> check that out um what else like what are some other favorites of yours uh, well, right now I'm I'm watching the Cowboy Bebop live action series. Uh, How is that? It got uh, canceled, didn't it? It did. They didn't renew it for its second season. Okay. Uh, didn't like it or something, right? That's what I heard. It's it's a mixed bag. I so I'm a huge fan of the original series, and I find myself just just screaming at uh, the TV constantly, just going wrong, wrong. That's wrong. That's, this is all wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. But if I can remove myself from that mindset, it's a good watch. Like if they could have just not used the Cowboy Bebop name and said it was inspired by Cowboy Bebop, I think, okay. uh, I think it would have been good and it would have been successful. Um, but, you know, it's it's the typical thing of, like, you watch a movie based on a book and the person mm-hmm. who read the book complains the whole time. That That's definitely where I'm at with this. <laughs> the one, I mean, the one movie recently that actually I didn't complain and it surprised me was June. I don't know if you've seen the new June movie yet. I haven't seen it, but I'd like to. <laughs> okay. I, I, mean, I read the books um, and I played the video game. I, I, I watched the movie, old movie. I read the books. I played the video games. I'm, like, a huge Frank, I nerd for that the whole universe, but the movie was actually I really didn't find much I could complain about. They they kind of did it right for once. Well, that's fantastic to hear. I know, but having said that, it's, I think part of it is because they took their time. So I don't know if you know, but the movie is like I think it's like two and a half, three hours long, and that's part one of book one, and there's six books. Well, that sounds about right then. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you're going to get through all those details, you really gotta pace yourself correctly yeah. yeah i mean it's one of those things it's like i kind of wish they had done maybe a little more with lord of the rings movies um because I, I always found it really weird how they split the hobbit into multiple movies which is a really short book and then condensed each of the lord of the rings into right. one movie. uh the hobbit is is one of my great cinematic disappointments i yeah. because i i love the hobbit as as a book much more than i love the lord of the rings so, and I loved the Lord of the Rings movies. I, you know, I had an opening day ticket to see the Hobbit. I was hyped up. I was ready mm-hmm. to go. And it was, it, I was, it was awful. Look, yeah, every, yeah, every piece yeah. of CGI that they used. Oh, it that ruined film, it. Just, it was, yeah, it was horrible. Because what made Lord of the Rings so good is it was all done with models. It was all real, like actors, models, like uh, props. Um, it felt very real. And then yes. the Hobbit was so CGI that it just felt nothing like it. Yes. It, and I mean, it, Lord of the Rings still holds up incredibly to, to this day. And the it Hobbit was like immediately dated. Like yeah. as soon as it came out, it felt old. Well, that's the thing with Lord of the Rings. Because they didn't use their technology, it's always it's never going to feel old because it was actually all filmed. Um, and I'm terrified about the new series coming out, uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings series. I, I'm really nervous to see what what happens with that. I mean, I'm being optimistic, but Amazon is producing it, so I really don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. I don't share your optimism. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, just because I'm like, 
I don't know, it's set 500 years prior to the, the movies. So it's a whole new sort of story separate from the movies. So I'm interested to see, I mean, they have a bit more liberty to play with. It's not, people aren't going to be like, oh, they're not remaking the movies. You know what I mean? It's not living up to that same standard, but we'll, we'll see. Right, we'll see. right. Um, touching back to uh, animes and stuff like that. Did you ever watch uh, Howl's Moving Castle? Yeah, I love Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, such a great little movie. I love it. Actually, it's it's uh, really nice for for our anniversary a couple years ago. My girlfriend, she uh, took one of the pictures from Howl's Moving Castle and basically just painted over it so it was me and her instead of uh, oh, the original characters, and it's beautiful. That's so cool. Oh, that's cool. That's I mean, uh, you've you've obviously seen Spirited Away as well. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, Princess Mononoke. I love Princess Mononoke. It's a great movie. It's a really good movie. Ah. And then, um, Brendan, you, do you have anything else that you want to get through? Because we're, we're just clicking over the hour here. Uh, what is your best MacGyver moment? Ooh. So um, when I was singing in bands... I was a very, very broke student, and I had literally no money. Uh, but we needed a PA to practice with. Um, so what I did was I basically took an old, um, an old like uh, stereo setup. Uh, for a TV, like that you would hook your uh, TV through to power speakers. And I reconfigured that a whole bunch, pushed some more power out of it, uh, messed up a a couple microphones, but eventually got it working and basically uh, built my own PA out of it. And it wasn't super loud, but it was loud enough to get us through our practice sessions. That's awesome. And then, um, oh, if you could play with any musician, live or dead, who would that be? Hmm. So I'm, I like to set the bar low for myself because uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm always afraid that if, it, you know, I don't want to meet my heroes, I'm afraid I'll disappoint them. Uh, but I feel like I could really, I could really jam well with, uh, but, oh, shoot. My mind just went blank. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I think it'd be uh, really fun to uh, to hang out with the Shrine and uh, jam with those guys. Okay. Who's uh, who's in the Shrine again? Yeah, I have to look them up. Give me one second. I think I might be thinking of the wrong band. From uh, I don't know their me- the members' names, but they're from Cal California. Stardust. 
It's like Al and uh, what can I think about? Oh, okay, yeah, yep. I know who you're talking about. All right, yeah. I actually I can't think of the album off the top of my head, but um, they're kind of like almost like ohm almost. Right? That's what I'm thinking about. Like it's not that the kind band of I'm thinking of. They're from LA, right? And formed in like 2008. Yeah, yeah. They're nah. like kind of like a fuzz rock band. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay, I know these guys. Yep. I haven't listened to these guys. I I can't say I know them well, but I am aware of who they are. Okay. Yes, wait. I'm going to give them a listen after this interview because I want to check them out. Yeah, it's if you guys jam Bless Off, that's their, I think that's their second full length album. It's, It's a fantastic time. It's just hard rock, fuzzed out, stoner shit beginning to end i love it that's awesome all right i'm definitely gonna get that a spin okay and then if you could sign any band to your label who would you choose i mean mm. this, you don't have to Ooh, be that like, was mad. oh sorry <laughs> i mean no, you have to be like, that was funny that was great you, you can give two answers to this question you can say like ultimate dream fantasy or like something practical that's within reason uh, either or, or both whichever you prefer mm. that's a good question you know, yeah, I, I should probably think of this like more seriously because, you know, so far it's just sort of been bumbling through and just uh, <laughs> taking whatever's in front of us that sounds good. So if we were thinking more goal oriented and I was taking this label stuff uh, seriously, who would it be? Um, so, so speaking from, I guess, recent experience, there is a band called Bog of Anguish, okay. um, who's from Ohio. And I they put out an EP, or I guess it's more of a demo, and uh, a full length. And they have not gotten nearly enough attention. And I feel like if, uh, if, if I could get to them, uh, we could really push them a lot harder. And so that would be fantastic, because I think more people need to hear the crazy stuff they're doing. Um, so let me I'll give that as an answer Bog of Anguish okay hell yeah and then uh, Ultimate Fantasy like not realistic who would you sign? (laughs) Um, not realistic at all I think uh, Paul Chain we we could do some real weird stuff (laughs) (laughs) awesome Um, so we're just gonna ask you quickly lastly um is there anything that you want to just let people know to keep an eye out for like anything heads up uh stuff people should check out uh just anything that you want to say quickly check out anything that your friends are pushing you to listen to because i think the best recommendations you can get are from the people around you oh yeah man great advice okay well thank you so much for coming on the show um it's been really great chatting and actually getting to know you properly um, maybe in a little while when you have some more releases come out later in the year we can have you on to chat about those again yeah it'd be great Thank, thanks for uh, talking to me I really appreciate it <laughs>